Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. It's Wednesday, October 5th, 2022. I'm Jackson Bird. Today, it's Nobel Prize Week. With three prizes announced and three yet to come, here are the winners in physics, chemistry, and physiology or medicine. Plus, Bruce Willis did not sell the rights to his digital twin to a deepfake firm. But could someone else choose to do so eventually? More on the murky world of deepfakes and Hollywood. Here's some cool stuff for your ride home. It's Nobel Prize Week, as the foundation announces the 2022 laureates across six different categories this week through this coming Monday. And so far, we have learned the prize winners for physiology or medicine, physics, and chemistry. Tomorrow, the 6th, they will be announcing the literature winner. On Friday, the 7th, will be the Nobel Peace Prize. And on Monday, the 10th, we'll find out who won the prize for economic sciences. Here's a little more on each of the prize-winning achievements thus far. The Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine went to paleogeneticist Svante Pabo for decoding the genome of Neanderthals. Doing so was long thought impossible. As Scientific American points out, DNA breaks down into short fragments and changes chemically over time. Neanderthals went extinct 30,000 years ago. Only traces of their DNA remains in bone samples, which are often heavily contaminated with foreign DNA. Pabo has been working towards this goal since he was a doctoral candidate in the mid-80s. In 1997, he isolated the genetic material from a 40,000-year-old Neanderthal bone, marking the first time the world ever had access to a piece of a Neanderthal genome. It would take until 2010, however, with many technological advances in related fields, before he would be able to present a fully sequenced Neanderthal genome. He and his team were also able to sequence a Denisovan genome, a subspecies of ancient human that lived throughout the Asian continent in the Lower and Middle Paleolithic eras. Quoting Scientific American, Pavo and his team's research indicated that the last common ancestor of modern humans and Neanderthals must have lived around 800,000 years ago. They also proved gene flow from Neanderthals to modern humans. Both species apparently interbred in the millennia that they lived simultaneously on Earth, primarily in Europe and Asia, where the human genomes sequenced contain 1-4% to Neanderthal genes. Today, Pabo is rightly regarded as one of the founders of paleogenetics. His work has revolutionized our understanding of the evolutionary history of modern humans, stated Martin Strotman, president of the Max Planck Society, in a press release. Pablo's work has not only shed new light on our past, further studies indicate our Neanderthal heritage also influences our present. For example, some of the genes seem to have an impact on how the immune system reacts to various pathogens. In 2021, Pabo and his team made headlines when they reported that people with a specific Neanderthal variant on the third chromosome were at a higher risk of developing severe COVID-19, end quote. 
As a history nerd, I love when deeper knowledge of the past can inform our future. But switching gears to physics, the Nobel Prize for that category has gone to three quantum physicists working on entangled photons. Alan Aspect, John Clauser, and Anton Zellinger's work has shown that the connections between quantum particles, long thought to be caused by unknown factors, are results of manipulating one quantum object which affects another one far away. This phenomenon is known as quantum entanglement, but I prefer what Albert Einstein called it, spooky action at a distance. Quoting Nature, because of the effects of quantum entanglement, measuring the property of one particle in an entangled pair immediately affects the results of measurements on the other. It's what enables quantum computers to function. These machines, which seek to harness quantum particles' ability to exist in more than one state at once, carry out calculations that would be impossible on a conventional computer. Today, physicists are using entanglement to develop quantum encryption and a quantum internet that would allow for ultra-secure communications and new kinds of sensors and telescopes. But whether particles could be fundamentally linked in this way, such that measuring one determines the properties of another, rather than just revealing a predetermined state, had been a topic of debate since physicists laid the foundations of quantum mechanics in the 1920s. End quote. One of this year's prize winners, John Clauser, began working on practical experiments supporting theories of quantum mechanics in the early 70s. In the 80s, fellow prize winner Aspect ran experiments to close some loopholes left behind in Clauser's work. And then in the 90s, final prize winner Zellinger used entanglement to demonstrate quantum teleportation, a quantum state being transmitted from one location to another. There have been and will continue to be many practical applications from this work, which as their colleagues point out, was one day considered relatively philosophical. 2021 Nobel Prize in Physics winner Serge Hiroche said, quote, It's a wonderful example of the connection between basic science and application, a demonstration of the usefulness of useless knowledge, end quote. And finally, the Nobel Prize in Chemistry went to three scientists for their work in click chemistry. Dane, Morton Meldahl, and American, K. Barry Sharpless, for whom this is a second Nobel Prize, first developed the field of click chemistry independently of one another, and American Carolyn Bertozzi, the third woman to win a chemistry Nobel in as many years, built on their work to develop bioorthogonal chemistry, which enables the modification of molecules without disrupting the living organisms. Johann Alquist, chair of the Nobel Chemistry Committee, explained click chemistry to the Washington Post, quote, It's all about snapping molecules together. Imagine that you could attach small chemical buckles to different types of building blocks. Then you could link these buckles together and produce molecules of greater complexity and variation. This was the basic idea that Barry Sharpless had about 20 years ago. The problem was to find good chemical buckles, end quote. And continuing from the Washington Post, quote, The scientists solved that problem in stages. Sharpless and Meldahl's research, done independently of one another, used copper as a catalyst to join molecules, which was effective but toxic in higher concentrations. Bertozzi developed a method that allowed scientists to modify molecules in living organisms without disrupting them. End quote. 
This method has been used for a number of applications already, with many more sure to come. It's been used to screen for drugs, to attach dye to a molecule and watch how it behaves, like in the case of a viral infection, and its enabling of new, highly functional materials has led to further pharmaceutical developments and may open the doors to truly personalized medicine down the line. Not to mention, perhaps, regrowing damaged tissue or, even on the industrial side, developing plastic that doesn't corrode. Each prize category includes a $10 million prize, which in the case of multiple winners is split equally amongst them. So in other words, go Svante Pabo for being the sole winner in his category. And as I said, literature, economics, and peace will be announced in the coming days, so keep your eyes peeled for more. Last week, it was announced that Bruce Willis had become the first actor to sign over the rights to his deepfake likeness, creating a digital twin for the actor who recently announced his retirement from acting following a diagnosis of aphasia, which affects speech abilities. Now, despite many usually reputable sources reporting the information, it turns out it was not true. A representative for the actor has said that he has no partnership or agreement with the company it was reported he sold his rights to. However, both the reasons why it was confusing and the fact that this is a possibility for actors that we're headed towards is fascinating. Digital twins and authorized or unauthorized likenesses of actors being used in films, television, marketing, and online content is something I've brought up a few times before. Deepfakes of varying believability proliferate all over TikTok, for example, the most famous of which being the Tom Cruise deepfake. The Star Wars franchise has repeatedly used deepfake technology in recent years. Just a couple of weeks ago, it was announced that James Earl Jones will retire from voicing Darth Vader, and rather than recasting, his voice will be recreated by an AI program designed by Ukraine-based Respeecher. And creating the likeness of an actor has been happening since before AI developed enough to create believable deepfakes. When Paul Walker died halfway through filming the seventh Fast and Furious film, the crew used a combination of archival footage, CGI, and Walker's two brothers to create the 350 additional shots needed for the film, as well as several lines of dialogue. And back in 1989, Back to the Future 2 used prosthetics and good old-fashioned stage tricks to obscure the fact that they had recast the role of Marty's dad, George McFly. This move, however, specifically the use of a face cast made of the original actor to create the prosthetics for the new one, led to a lawsuit from the original actor, Crispin Glover, alleging that the studio had infringed on his rights of publicity. Glover won the suit, and it led to new stipulations in the Screen Actors Guild bargaining agreements. Performing arts unions around the world, including the Screen Actors Guild, have taken stands against the use of deepfakes in an effort to protect their members' rights of publicity. The same rights Glover said Bob Gale and Back to the Future had infringed upon, basically meaning any commercial uses of a person's likeness. In the United States, these rights of publicity vary state by state, and only some are comprehensive for posthumous likeness, meaning in some states, your likeness could be used commercially without the consent of your heirs or estate after you die. According to a report from The Telegraph last week, it seemed like these rights were what Bruce Willis had sold to one specific deepfake firm, a Georgia firm called Deep Cake. 
But, quoting an update from the BBC, What is true is that a deep fake of Bruce Willis was used to create an advert for Megafon, a Russian telecoms company, last year. The tech used in the advert was created by Deepcake, which describes itself as an AI company specializing in deepfakes. Deepcake told the BBC it had worked closely with Willis's team on the advert. What he definitely did is that he gave us his consent and a lot of materials to make his digital twin, they said. The company says it has a unique library of high-resolution celebrities, influencers, and historical figures. On its website, Deepcake promotes its work with an apparent quote from Mr. Willis. I liked the precision of my character. It's a great opportunity for me to go back in time. End quote. But Willis's agent has denied he has any connection to that company, and Ars Technica was able to get a clarifying statement from Deepcake's PR firm. Quote, Deepcake never claimed the actor sold us the image rights and didn't provide anyone any comments of the sort. The information in the Telegraph, Independent, and so on is not correct. Currently, no regulatory framework allows people to sell rights for their identity. In August 2021, we worked with a telecom brand, Megaphone, that launched an ad campaign with Bruce Willis and requested us to create a digital twin of the star. Our engineers processed a massive data set of Bruce Willis and made his digital twin for the series of Megaphone ads. The bilateral contractual agreements between Bruce Willis and Megaphone are unknown to us since Deepcake was a third party in that deal a tech provider who created a digital twin. We had no working project or agreement with him since then, and we never said otherwise, end quote. I think the BBC summed it up pretty well, saying, quote, the confusion highlights just how new this technology is and the lack of clear rules around it, end quote. It's going to be an interesting technology to try to regulate because... You, know, you definitely want people to be able to protect their own rights to publicity. Deep fakes that can make it seem like a celebrity or anyone is saying, doing, or promoting something that they never consented to is not cool, and already happens all the time. It's also kind of a bummer for someone like Crispin Glover, who, as much as there was all kinds of bad blood between him and the filmmakers, instead of being upfront about the recasting like the studio was for other characters in that sequel film, they seem to have tried to pass off his character as if it were still being played by him. Glover had taken a moral stance against the movie and didn't want anyone believing it was him in it. But then we've got situations like Star Wars, you know, it's cool to see some of those characters live on, past the deaths or retirements of the actors who originally played them. But at the same time, wouldn't it also be nice to simply have those actors' digital twins step aside and let new actors have a shot, whether as recast versions of those characters or brand new characters joining the story? Like, why do we need an AI recreation of James Earl Jones' voice for Darth Vader when scores of professional voice actors grew up honing their Darth Vader impressions and would kill for a chance at that gig? Jones is a legend, of course, but it's something to think about. Exploring this technology is super cool, especially when it's used in a consensual manner in which the person whose likeness is being recreated and all of the engineers and everyone involved are getting a fair credit for their work. 
but it also has a lot of pitfalls. And the confusion over what exactly happened with this Bruce Willis situation, which seems to stem from a lack of due diligence both in reporting and in the deepfake advertisement itself, shows exactly how little many people understand about the technology and how easily those of us who don't fully understand it can be fooled and taken advantage of. Well, online voting has just begun for Fat Bear Week. The bears at Katmai National Park and Preserve in Alaska have been chowing down on salmon all summer long in preparation for hibernation. And now the public gets to vote for their favorite from the bunch. The single elimination bracket is open for voting until Tuesday, October 11th at fatbearweek.org. You can see bios and photos of the bears with cool sliders showing how much they've grown at the link in the show notes. And if you're not sure how to vote, here's what Cat May recommends. Quote, Your Fat Bear Week vote can be based on many factors. You may want to consider the tremendous growth spurts experienced by younger bears, sub-adult or teenage bears and cubs, for example, grow proportionally more each year than even the biggest adults. Perhaps you want to weigh your vote toward bears with extenuating circumstances, such as a mother's cost of raising cubs, or the additional challenges that older bears face as they age. A mother bear's ability to gain weight is harder compared to other bears because she must provide for herself and the welfare of her cubs. An older bear can have difficulty finding access to its preferred fishing spots due to competition with larger and younger bears. You can also vote for the bear you think is simply the largest and fattest. End quote. And as Cat May reminds us, a fat bear is a happy bear because bears can lose up to a third of their body weight during hibernation, so they need plenty of fat reserves to help them survive all winter long. Learn more about this year's contenders, place your vote, and watch the 24-7 live bear cam at the link in the show notes. Well, that's going to be it from me for today. This show was produced by Ride Home Media. I'm Jackson Bird, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.